there and welcome to Thrive Church Podcast here in Puyallup, Washington. We're so glad you found us and hope you enjoy listening to this sermon of the week. All right, well, you guys welcome Pastor Dave as he comes to minister this morning. Thank you, John. Well, I'm, I will get to the, to the message piece of it at the end, but I want to just share some video and things like that that were from my last trip. I got back about two months ago. Um, had an amazing time. We're in a transitional season at Poyeo. And um, just for some of you that are new, haven't been with us since I, since Dale and I started Poyeo Project, um, we started in 2007. Okay, so uh, we're now in our, well, this would be November 11th year. And um, God has done some amazing things and, and moved us forward. And um, in so many situations, you, you look and you say, nothing's changing. I'm not having an effect. I'm not, you know, nothing's happening out there. But it's all about staying in the journey. It's all about following the calling, whatever that is. You can't look at the things around you to determine your success or not. You just have to stay in the process. And so um, in 2013, we made our first uh, move into Malawi. Um, and since that time, the bulk of what we've been doing has been in the nation of Malawi. Malawi is one of the poorest nations in the earth. It is continually competes for being one of the bottom five nations in terms of uh, just prosperity and all that kind of thing. And really the, the message and the, the word from the beginning on my heart was to help bring sustainable businesses to Africa because sustainability and that type of thing is the only true way out of poverty. You can dump money and you can do all these kind of things, but um, it doesn't do any good. Uh, I, could, I could quote some statistics to you, but I'm not going to take the time to do that. But the, the point of it is if you can begin to give them, uh, help them realize their dream and begin to help them see that, that there is hope. Because without hope, nothing changes. And so it's giving them hope that there can be a difference. And so the, the videos I'm going to show you, there were two organizations that we started working with at the very beginning in Malawi, UCOM, which is United for Community Outreach Ministries, and NSHFO, which stands for Nazarene Smallholder Farmers Organization. The bulk of the people that I work with, with there are Nazarene people. That was kind of my introduction and the, the open door to get into Malawi. But, but I'm watching them, you know, and just so you understand, you may know the Nazarene church here in America, but that doesn't look like the Nazarene church in Africa. They uh, they're very much believe in miracles. They very much uh, believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and all these different kind of things. So, you know, we tend to, we, we tend to give them a name and, and kind of have an idea and a, and a label that we're looking at, but they don't fit that label. Uh, we've seen some miraculous things, healings and so forth when I'm there. So um, I just, let's go ahead and get started. So the first couple of videos you're going to see, and we're going to watch the whole thing. But um, this is this is Malawi in the dry season. you got to understand this is a dry season. In the rainy season, all this is green. All right. But uh, this is with UCOM. And we're walking down to a school that they just started this year. They built it all themselves when I was there last year. It was just 
the form of the building was there, but it was all bricks and dirt and all this kind of thing. So go ahead. And I'll talk over the top of this a little bit. So it was very windy that day, so you'll hear some of that. In the... That's some greens for lunch. So they don't own this property, but they're wanting to own from this path to the right because they want to have like a right-of-way access from the road down to the school. One of my board members, uh, you can see him kind of up in front there, is David uh, Preston, and he joined me for about 10 days in Malawi on this trip. It was awesome to have him with me. Now, just so you understand, David's not a Christian, but he has a heart for business. Yeah, yeah, that's the key word, yeah, we're working on that. So just so you understand, Jesus started his ministry with 12 non-Christians. <laughs> so the this is their model high school, um, and they call it a model high school because it's kind of a different approach than most of the schools in the area. They have about 15 students currently, and um, what you see, the building up on the hill there, that's the that's the kitchen. This uh, solar cell power unit that you see, we loaned them money to purchase that, and that's hooked to a pump that pumps water out of a well. So the name of the river is the name of the uh, the Kanyere Model High School is uh, located in uh, our model garden, Yukon model garden. So the guy talking is Chippy. Kanyere He's the one high school. who's in charge of Yukon. So some of these guys I know, some are new to me, but they're all new to David. So The guy standing next to David is Chisomo. He's a... Uh, He's like in charge of the school. My name is David. Thank you. Yeah, I see you again. The young man to the left there is actually Chippy's adopted son. Their focus is on orphans. And so everything they do is having to do with orphans, not housing them so much, but feeding and educating them. So we can go ahead and cut it there. Um, so. So one of the things that they're looking at for that ground there where the where the school is, is to actually develop a technical school that's post-secondary, where they would train in, in skills like masonry, carpentry, teach them business and all that kind of thing. So just in the carpentry portion, uh, it's about, it's an 18, 18 month process. It's an 18 month class. And during that time, they'll be building doors. Now it's not like here, there's not a, you know, there's, there isn't a Home Depot where you go and buy your door. You go down to the marketplace and people have made manufactured doors and you buy your door. So during that 18 months, they would actually make doors, sell them in the marketplace. But when they graduate, they get not only a certificate, but their own tools. And they've also had 18 months of business training. So they can step right out of school and start their own business if they so choose. 
So let's let's jump to the next one. Now on this same property is what's called the model garden. In the background there, you'll see the. Uh, and you'll, I think you'll see it again. I don't think I'll cut it too, too short. But it's the Malawian stair stepper. Okay. So for us, we use a stair stepper at the gym, and it's just for exercising our quads. But here they they use that right there. And he's pumping water out of the river, and he gets a pretty good stream. So now this this all looks kind of disheveled, but that's because it's in a dry season. They're still growing certain things, but so you can see peppers there. They got really hot little peppers there. But he's talking about taking the seeds from the pepper and spreading it out. So that's chippy. So are these the peppers that are in that uh, spice that we were not drinking? Yes. And yes. So we had some hot sauce where we were staying. It comes from that pepper. Those are the peppers that are in that. Okay. Watch the next one. Hot, hot sauce. Yeah. Yes. He wants to try it. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a lot of fun when we're there, too. It's not all just serious. So here, people they do say, Pineapples—they cannot do well over here. Bananas—you'll see so bunches of bananas pineapple. on these different bananas. As you can see now, there are there's a pineapple. Right? Yes. Yeah. People will say, "Hey, our climate is not good for uh, pineapples. You cannot grow pineapples." So now we have a say. Even we are going to invite the Malay government to come and see that our climate. Can you even take the one? So what he was just saying was that, that the government told him that they have the wrong climate. They can't grow pineapples there. So they're just like, yeah, okay. So <laughs> they do it anyway. So there's a number of things. Go ahead. You can shut that down. One of the things about Chippy's model garden is that he he's using water to its most efficient use. So they'll plant a tree, but around the tree, they'll plant other crops while the tree is growing. So when they're watering the tree, they're also watering these other crops. So he doesn't tend to plant things, well, the trees are in a row, but he doesn't tend to plant things like, this is our section of the garden for potatoes, this is a section of garden for the onions, this is this, this is that. He intermixes things but he gets the, the most use of the water that way. Plus, they don't cultivate that whole area. They cultivate where they plant. And then when things die out, they just leave it on the ground. So, it, so it's continually replenishing the soil. So let's go ahead and jump to the next one. So they don't just grow vegetables, they also grow ornamentals. So you'll see here is like so a hedge. So we have planted this one. People, they say, why are you planting these flowers here? Yeah. Not be buying your, your, your house. I said, okay, I have, I have a reason why I'm planting this one. I planted always this branch and you saw it. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. In so this creates your stock. Yes. What gives the roots are the root. Yeah. Very nice. Yes. Rather than to go to, to buy sure. the branches. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. But to plant myself here. Yeah, make your own. Yeah. Yeah, and then. Yes. Starting seven. Just with 
Every plant Very smart. It's a hundred kwacha. So how many kwachas I'll find? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is called the money bush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately, um, okay. Cut it. So a lot of what he does, he has learned to. Uh, graft citrus trees. There's a portion in here that, that if we played it all, you would see they've taken a lemon stalk, um, which is uh, not only drought resistant, but it's also termite resistant, all that kind of thing. And now they graft like oranges, tangerines, all that kind of thing to that lemon stalk because it will grow better. It will, it will provide better. And then he also takes those and sells them uh, and they sell for about a thousand kwacha. You would see an area probably the size of this room of little little plants. They plant in a bag, a plastic bag rather than a planter. Um, and he sells those for a thousand kwacha. Just so you get an understanding, there's about 700 kwacha to the dollar. So you can have a wad of money and not have all that much. <laughs> but uh, for them, that makes a huge difference. So you can imagine if you had a thousand of those to sell. So they do a lot of things like that, grafting, and they graft all different types of trees. So this is his model garden. And, and one of the things they're going to teach in the technical school is farming. Now, Chippy is an amazing guy because he knows how to delegate. So all these things that you see, like the garden and all that kind of stuff, he used to spend all of his time in the garden. Now he has a, he has a garden manager that takes care of all that stuff and waters and does all that kind of thing. So uh, his, his whole ministry is growing and expanding, and we've had the pleasure of working with him in that growth and expansion. So let's go ahead and we're going to now jump to um, to Bangula. So this is in the Lulongwe area in the middle. Bangula's in the south. Fifteen, if I'm not mistaken. This is Gershon doing the talking. And we're interpreting it into Chichewa so that you will all understand. <laughs> and we make it, uh, it was around 20. So Gershom's vision was to own a herd of beef cattle. He's not only a pastor, but he's a district uh, superintendent for the Nazarene Church. So, the, uh, so he wanted a herd of beef cattle. This was in 2013, and he thought this impossible never happen because they tend to look at, he's looking at a herd site of 50 cattle, and he's saying, there's no way I can afford 50 cattle. So I worked with him and talked with him. He was my interpreter at that very first workshop that I did in, in, uh, in Malawi. And I said, so let's start with goats. So from 2013 up until t this year, all of his all of his cattle sounded like, eh, eh, you know. So, but you'll see there's a lot of babies and all that kind of. You've got about 27 goats now. But this year, uh, five years in, is when we when we predicted that we would make this make that switch to cattle. So we sold off some goats, we did some things like that. There was some money that had been donated specifically for cattle, and now they own five, five head of cattle. So, so we, uh, in 2016, we loaned them the money to purchase the land that you see. Uh, they bought 120 acres for $1,000.
Uh, yeah, wow. And for another 1,200, they built all the buildings that are now on the property, and they have a herdsman living there. Uh, who's the guy in the tall guy all the way in the back? That's the herdsman. And, uh, you know, they built these these shelters. The, the goats that you saw inside aren't all the goats. You saw some wandering around outside as well. So, but they were there for the video, you know. You got to have a few in the pen for the video. And uh, as you can see, the land right now is extremely dry. So finding forage and uh, things, not so tough for the goats, tougher for the cattle. So let's go ahead and roll the next one. The next one, you'll see the cattle. We, we have five of them. The new members are one of five. As you can see, we have four heifers. The new members are one of five. And one is a bull. So a heifer is a cow that's not yet had a calf. So he's not totally accurate what he said. They got three heifers. They got they got two heifers. They got one cow and a calf. That's a heifer. And then a bull. It was at the during the sparrows. You can see in the background just how totally dry that is. So they they said it has to go with the. That's pretty normal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, part of the problem in these countries is the same uh, parasites that attack the people, attack the animals. So it's hard to, to fatten them up. But everybody in the crowd there are all members of NSHFO. There's like 10 members. So it's Gershom's vision, but they're all, all involved. Yeah, we did appreciate for this. Thank you, my brothers and sisters, for helping to protect me. So I'm going to let it run because I'm going to show you what they're feeding them and we'll uh, get an idea then. But you can see goats in the background So there's a river that's, that's near, near this area. It's a very large river called the Lower Shire. Okay, we'll go ahead and cut it. But what they do is they go down by the river and they buy grass, bundles of grass. So the other things that we're doing is each one of these people that are in NSHFO all have business visions of their own. And so uh, we're going to jump to the one that's... This is the lumber business. This guy buys trees and cuts them into timber. I'm just buying one or two trees. The guy on the left is Marco. He's Mark Joe, and he's the owner of this business. So you'll see the saw, and once you see the saw, then we'll cut. Even the, the big hacksaw that you see, the hacksaw that you see here, this one. 
uh, I, I wish if that will have two or three, because if I can have two or three, then I can have two or I can have two at least three things that will be working in different ways. So, so um, Marco Joe, what his what he wants is he wants to buy two more saws, so he can get two more crews, and so that's that's where we would come in and provide a loan to him to do that, and then buy some starter trees to expand his business. But he's been in business for ten years, creating timbers that way, and of course I get all the. Well, why don't you get him a chainsaw? And I and then I make a comment like, "Well, we can provide him with a chainsaw. Are you going to provide him with a lifetime supply of chains? Are you going to provide him with the bar oil and the fuel and all that kind of stuff when it breaks? Who's going to fix it?" So there's so many things that we take for granted in our environment and our our society that just don't exist over there. So I'm sure he'd love to have a chainsaw. Then he could fire two or three guys and do it all himself but so anyway so the this gives you an idea of the work in malawi uh, that we're doing and uh several of these businesses like his business we're going to be cutting a loan but the first thing he has to do is supply us with a good business plan and so this during this season we're transitioning uh gershom uh chisomo that you saw the tall young man and Chippy, we're training them to be able to do what we do. So they've already taught some workshops and so forth without any of us there, without me there specifically. And now we're grooming them to be uh, coaches, business coaches and all that type of thing. So it's a, this trip was a huge pivotal trip as we begin to transition to where we have people on the ground actually doing the work and I don't have to be there which is a plus. Not that I don't like being there, but it's just that the work continues to go on even when I'm not on the ground. So um, that's, that is the dream that God put on my heart back in 2005 was the beginnings of it. And uh, so I go, I call myself a pastor to business, a pastor to entrepreneurs, because God's heart for all of us is for the total person. He's just as excited when you go to work and you're in the workplace because now his kingdom has traveled to that workplace. And he's just as excited about that as he is about you being here on Sunday and worshiping and lifting your hands. But we don't, we don't tend to understand that as people. And so while there's, there's many Christians in these nations, they don't know the blessing of the Lord. And that's what God put on my heart for them to begin to realize what does abundant life look like? Now, yes, they're saved. Yes, they're going to heaven. But we all say, well, it's not just about going to heaven, right? Okay, but we say that from the comfort of our our living conditions. And, and we don't see it from their perspective where water, power, all those kind of things don't exist. To let you know, we're in the process right now of sinking a well on that 120 acres. So uh, we cut a road. We did all those kind of things. I've got some cards that if you're interested in getting our email updates and things like that, just fill out a card and we'll get you on that mailing list. So now I want to, I just want to share the word that God put on my heart. Because um, part of the, part of the thing there, you know, here in America, it's said that we live month to month. You know, if you don't get a paycheck for a month, next month you're going to struggle. 
So that whole month-to-month concept. In Africa, they live day-to-day. So if you can imagine being in a position where you don't know if you're going to eat tomorrow, you don't know. I mean, there were seasons, there has been a couple seasons where the, the members of NSHFO were eating one meal a day, okay, because of drought, because of a, of a number of things. But um, it's hard for us to imagine that. It's hard for us to imagine getting up in the middle of the night, going to turn the light on. There, are, there is no light. You know, it's dark. Uh, we got some great stories that we could share about that. But, but anyway, they, um, you know, they face a lot of different things than what we face, and yet they're they're not an unhappy people. They they don't know, they don't know what it is to live in the United States. They know what it is to live in Malawi. So, um, the word that God put on my heart, uh, all the people that I work with are Christians. Let me preface that. And so part of what I'm doing over there is trying to get them to, to look at the Bible from a different perspective, to look at the Bible from a business perspective and from an everyday life perspective, because the Bible's not for heaven, okay? When we get there, we don't need the Bible. We got, we got the Word right there with us, okay? So the Bible really is about here. So I'll ask them a question like, who knows Jesus's marketing strategy, and, and I'd get a couple of older pastors that would raise their hand, but then they couldn't answer the question. So Jesus had a marketing strategy. Do you know that? Before he left this earth, he gathered his sales force. Okay, what was Jesus marketing? He was marketing the gospel. He was marketing the kingdom. And he gathered his sales force around him. And he said, and so I want you to be my witnesses. First in Jerusalem, small market. Then in Judea little bigger market. Then Samaria, bigger market. And then the uttermost parts of the earth. So Jesus had a marketing strategy, but we don't read it that way. We don't see it that way. And so it's helping them to see, because many of them are pastors. They've been to college. They've been to all this stuff. But they don't see the Bible as a tool for everyday life. So the word God put on my heart was tied to the exodus of the children of of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land, and and part of it was was seeing the level of the engagement of the people as opposed to the engagement of God, and how miracles continued but they changed. So imagine, if you will, that you're part of the generation that's going to enter into the promised land. Okay. You've never learned anything about farming. You've never learned anything about, you know, fighting and war. You've never, all you know is survival. Survival in the wilderness and God providing for all your needs. Manna in the morning, quail in the evening, water from a rock. Your clothes never wear out. You do all these things. And that's your 40-year experience. Now, most of us sitting in this room only understand the United States from our perspective of living in a certain time period and thinking this is how it's always been. So, So they didn't know Egypt. They didn't know making bricks. They didn't know any of that. So they come to the Jordan River. They know a cloud. There's a, there's a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night that's moved with them for 40 years through the wilderness. They cross over into the promised land and all those miracles stop. They get up in the middle of the night and they go, where'd the fire go? When the fire moves, we're supposed to move. 
what, you know, and I would have been one of the ones that would have got up in the morning and gone out and looked for the manna. What's the deal? And it wasn't like God weaned them gradually off the miracles. It says the miracles stopped. They stopped. So imagine yourself, picture yourself in that kind of a scenario. Imagine yourself, moms, you know, you got to get, you got to get manna for the kids in the morning, right? So you're expecting manna. You get up in the morning and there's no manna. The quail don't show up at night. Everything has suddenly, drastically changed. Now, everything in the desert was all about survive. How do I get these people from here to there? How do I, how do I from God's perspective, how do I help them survive? And we as Christians go through our wilderness experiences when everything about it is survival. I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm maturing. <clears throat> but we don't stay there. You can't stay there. You can't not be engaged because that's what we're going to see as, you, as they move through the desert, the level of engagement increased. When they were in the desert, they didn't have to do anything. Nothing. Just get up in the morning, go gather the manna. In the evening, you didn't have to go gather the quail because they flew into the camp, is what the word says. So suddenly, here comes this giant flock of quail. And just so we get a picture, this wasn't six families camping in the desert. Okay? Imagine a city with two million people. So look, let's imagine Dallas, Texas, moving across the desert. Manna enough for two million manna quail enough for two million i mean i've seen a lot of quail in my life but i've never seen that many quail water enough for two million people so we don't grasp the enormity so, so many times of what actually took place but now two million people cross the river and it all stops that would be shock total shock but, but the miracles changed. The miracles became, you will live in houses that you didn't build. You will, you will eat from harvests that you didn't plant. All these kind of things. But that's this year. Okay? What happens next year? You got to plant. You've got to engage yourself. You got to be, you have to be involved. God says, I'm still going to provide miracles, but it's going to look entirely different. You have to engage with me. You have to begin to step into your area of responsibility and begin to do your part. And if you read, if you read through the through the Bible with those kind of eyes, you will see that every place that there were these huge, enormous miracles, it took a level of engagement on our part. Now, that may have been teeny tiny. Well, we went through and we found five loaves and two fish that this kid had, and we asked him if he'd like to donate that. You know, there was a level of engagement before the miracle took place. They, they took cities. They, I mean, you, you look at Jericho, for instance, okay? There was a level of engagement. You got to walk around the wall once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, you got to walk around seven times. And then you got to shout, and then the wall comes down. Okay? Now, couldn't God have just taken the wall down? 
He could have, but he was looking for engagement on our part. So this was kind of the, this is the crossover season in Africa. Because so many times they, they look and they say, oh, this is impossible. This will never happen. Gershom never would have started with goats moving to cattle. But he did. And for five years, he patiently listened to the wrong sound coming from his cattle. Okay? For five years, believing that this miracle of cattle was going to begin. And when we bought those cattle, the first email I got from him was, I'm seeing my dream materialize before my eyes. Now, he's got another seven or eight years in the process before that herd size gets to 50. But just so you understand the enormity of what that is, is that in the average income in Malawi is $300 a year. Okay, when that, when that cattle operation is in full production, just on the cattle selling them on the hoof, the, the gross income for a year will be $25,000. And, and, and employees, he's already got one. The herdsman gets paid every month. Okay? So, so creating that kind of an atmosphere. But God was saying to them, it takes engagement at this level. I will still do miracles. You've got to walk around the wall. I will bring it down. But it takes a level of engagement. And that, that stage, that place is called arrive. They arrived at the promised land. Now it was up to them to begin to engage and to take the land. That's what God said, take the land. God could have just driven them all out and just give it to them. But he said, no, we're in a different season. We're in a, the season of arrival. But there's a third season after arrive, and that's called thrive. That's called thrive. And, and the miracles that happen at thrive are, I will bless the herds. I will bless the yield of crops. I will bless you in the coming in and going out. I will bless. I will bless. I will bless. The miracles will continue, but it looks different. It looks different. And so, so that was the word that God put on my heart. I got to share it twice, once in Malawi, once in South Africa at Marshall's church. Okay. And they're in a whole different season. It's pretty amazing. Um, but, but that's, that's where I feel we are. We changed our name to thrive. Okay. I believe that we're in that season of, or on the cusp of that season of thriving, but all of us, and, and Pastor John has been preaching this, all of us have to engage ourselves in the arrival season. We got to see ourselves in that arrival season. We can no longer sit back and let God bring people in. Let God do this. Let God do that. That's survival. That's survival thinking. We have to engage individually in order for us to move into that season of thrive. So, so I just really, I encourage you to, to just get with God and ask him, Lord, what, does, what is my role in this season of arrive? in this season so that I can move into the season of thriving. 
so they can get in that place where it's just you multiply the engagement that I have. So the five loaves and the two fishes. Where's your five loaves and your two fishes? How do you bring those? How do you bring those to Jesus and say, here's what I've got. This is my involvement. Now multiply it, Lord. Multiply it. And, and I'm, I was very excited to bring this to Africa because I knew that they weren't ready for a season of Thrive, <clears throat> but they were definitely at the point of Arrive, which means they have to start thinking strategically. They need to be looking ahead. They can no longer live on a day-to-day -day thing. And I'll just give you a really quick example. So I've been talking to Gershom, the guy in Bangula in the south, for a, like a year or more and saying, we're going, you know, once we've got it squared away in the lands there, the animals are there, <coughs> we're going to commit to sinking a well, a borehole, if you will. That's what they call them, a borehole, on the property. So we've been, we've been talking back and forth about this for months. So we sent the money, and I got an email back from him and said, well, in order to get the well drilling equipment in here, we have to cut a road. And I'm thinking, I was just there a few weeks ago. This discussion didn't come up. And he said, and oh, by the way, we've got to pay right away for the, for the road. And we've got to pay the guys to come in and blade the road and, and all this and that. And I'm thinking, why didn't we get this done? I've told you again and again and again, we're going to drill it. And we, and we knew that the well drillers were going to be there at a certain time, and so we got a better rate because they were already drilling wells in the area. And now we got to cut a stinking road. <coughs> so I'm like, wait a minute. So that shows you, like, the lack of planning. He knew all along we were going to have to cut a road. But we didn't bring it up until, oh, it's time to drill the well. Oh, we got to cut a road. So part of it was to help them begin to get out of just day-to-day -day and then you deal with whatever comes up to start thinking about the future. What does it look like? How do we get there? UCOM uh, is the same way. They have a vision, but they end up spending money off in things that are not part of their vision. And it's okay, but then there have been times when they came up for the time for something that had to do with the vision, they didn't have the money because they had sewed it somewhere else. Now, I get it. Here we get up in the morning and you can drive a ways and eventually you'll see somebody by the side of the road begging. Okay? There you get up, you walk out your front door, you're surrounded by need. Okay, so it's hard to ignore that. And part of the thing I'm looking for in people that we do business with are people that have a heart for other people. But you've got to learn to govern that. I mean, I could go and just give money away day after day after day, but I have to keep coming back and staying focused on the mission. I'm not going to change the, the monetary level of everyone in Africa I have to know that from the beginning. I have to know that it's a long-term thing. It's not going to happen overnight. And then engage in those kind of levels. So, so that's, that's where we are. And that's, and that's what I want to encourage us. Because for us to get to thrive, we've got to thoroughly be involved in Arrive. 
okay? So bless you this morning. Again, if you'd like a, if you'd like a card, uh, just fill that out. If you're already getting our emails, then you don't need to do that, but we'd love to have you know at least what's going on with us and what's happening. Awesome. Thanks. You guys give him uh, some appreciation there. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Um, if uh, we, we have the opportunity to give here to Poyeo, uh, we can do that actually on our website uh, or through the text to give option. Um, if you go to, if you're doing text to give, which a lot of you do that, uh, you can use uh, the keyword um, Poyeo, I believe it is. Uh, so if you use, put your number there, you're texting to the number 84321. And uh, you can give, you know, put your number in, in the message with the word Poyeo, which is spelled P-O-Y-E-H-O, okay? So if you want to do that, it's also, there's a, there's a fund that you'll find on our website if you go to the, the, that option to give there. Um, that's for Poyeo. Uh, we're also going to be giving Dave an honorarium today for ministering and bringing God's heart to us. Uh, so if you want to give to him specifically, then you want to use the keyword speaker. And we're going to get that to him as well, okay? So I um, encourage you to do that because we're blessed. I was uh, I, I was going to, like, had this all thought out yesterday, right? But things this morning got a little crazy with the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus. So, so good. But um, uh, Dave is, um, when I was in Honduras, um, I was actually surrounded by a number of people, but one of the people I, I ran into uh, was a guy that um, totally reminded me of Dave. It was like I had my papa there with me. Uh, he, he actually, when I entered, he introduced himself. He was, he was from somewhere down south. Um, I don't remember exactly where, but um, I, I was introducing myself. Hi, I'm John. Um, and he's like, I'm Papa Dave. <laughs> That's what he said to me. And I was like, yes, Papa Dave is with me in Honduras. <laughs> so um, anyway, he's just been uh, an incredible father to me. And um, I intend to pull on him uh, just in that whole realm of being a father in my life. I just encourage you all to do that too because he's a man of God going after it uh, in his life, going after his, his dream, his vision, seeing it come to pass in Africa, and uh, he's, he's a good papa. So uh, anyway, thank you, Dave, for the message. You know, I was thinking, yeah, I, I was thinking um, that's what that Jesus was preparing his disciples for the same thing he was talking about here this morning with the whole idea uh, of uh, changing their level of engagement in order to see uh, to see the breakthrough in the new season. See, when Jesus sent out the 12 and when he sent out the 70, he sent them with his anointing. Like you go out and the, the anointing that's on my life, you've been around it enough, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna flow through you. You're gonna touch people. You're gonna see miracles. You're gonna see things happen. Um, but then he said, I'm going away. And they're like, no, I don't want you to go. Um, then, of course, they had this picture of Jesus like setting up his throne in Jerusalem, right? Jesus had a whole different picture of what was about to happen. Uh, he knew he was going to the cross. I'm going to go away. 
but I'm going to send you my helper. And, and what was happening is that the anointing that had been on Jesus since his baptism with, with John the Baptist, uh, John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit came and rested on him like a dove, right? And it says it remains. I think it's in the book of Mark where it talks about that. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit rested on him and remained. That same baptism is what happened to the disciples, the apostles, and those waiting in the upper room in the book of Acts. They, all of a sudden, they were endued with power. So Jesus doesn't just want the message to go out. He wants the message to go out with power. It's both. And so uh, that's the season that we are in in the kingdom is we're in the season of Jesus did his thing and now he's taught us to go and do. Uh, so that's where he says all authority, this is in Matthew chapter 28, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, you go. <laughs> it's like, you have to get that, right? Wait a second. I thought it was given to you. Well, that's right. I get It was given to me and now through me, it's yours, right? Amen. Awesome. Well, I, I just appreciate that because we, uh, we have that opportunity to change our engagement. To, to ex That's why Jesus was always talking to his disciples. Where's your faith? What happened to your faith? Because he was teaching them for the next season. He was preparing them. Uh, amen. Awesome. So we can engage and we can see God's, God's provision and his breakthrough in this season. Amen. Awesome, awesome. Wow. Well, thank you guys for being here, hanging with us today. A little bit longer, but you know, I don't know about you, but a little bit longer and touch of God's presence with the ministry, ministry of the Holy Spirit and worship. I was just...